Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everyone. We are so excited today. We have two amazing guests on the show today. We have Jay Shetty, former monk, digital strategist, and motivational and lifestyle vlogger with Huffington Post from the UK. Very excited to have him on the show. You guys don't want to miss this. He'll be on with us at 1.05 p.m. And then we have right now coming up Miss Diana Sierra and Pablo Fruend. They've created a product called B-Girl, and you don't want to miss what this product is about. It's going to revolutionize the way women see themselves intimately and can connect with themselves intimately. That's going to be a little bit of intimate talk today, but I think that you will love what we have to share definitely. And it sits inside of our partnership with the UN in terms of the global goals and, and what we're up to with the global goals about supporting women ending poverty. That's, that's an area that it would affect um, health and well-being as well on the, the third, the second goal, sorry, third goal. So without further ado, we're going to bring on Mr. Jay Logan, who's based in San Francisco. Hi, Jay. How are you today? I'm doing fine, Gil. How are you doing? I'm doing really, really well. Glad to be on the show. Glad for the guests that we have today. It's going to be a very interesting show with interesting topics, Jay. You know what I mean? Oh. So um, Yes, I do. How is it out there in San Francisco? <clears throat> well, we just got through. We just got through this gale with rain, so now we finally got a couple of days lit up. And you know, it's been a drought out here. You know, so we finally we needed the rain, but wow, you know, it's like I saw like animals on a boat floating down the street. It was horrible. But, you know, that's how it goes. <laughs> well, you know, it's so funny because it really speaks to the weather that we had a couple of weeks ago, you know, um, in New York City and also in New Jersey where the weather was, you know, really similar, Jay, you know. So I'm glad, yes. you know, I think with the spring coming on, uh, you know, we'll see. Maybe it's March showers. Maybe it's, uh, I think it's in April showers, spring Mayflowers. I think this time it's February uh, showers will bring March and April flowers. Well, I have a quick question for you. You know, last year when we had the show, you guys were going through a lot of weather situations. Is it as bad as last year or is it a little better this year? I think, you know, we had some cold times, Jay, but I think it's actually gotten much better, you know? So, right. you know, Great. Jay, without further ado, I think what we need to do is bring on B-Girl. You ready for them? Yes, I am. <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm really pretty excited myself, and, um, you know, we just really look forward to, you know, having them on. Just want to introduce what they do a little bit. You think that would be a good idea, Jay? Yeah, I'm excited. So, I would like to know yeah, more. Yeah. Yes, before we bring them on. So B-Girl is a product that really helps women on a very intimate level because we as women, as you know, um, go through many things when it comes to our, our you know, uh, how do I say this, so to speak? We're going to speak about it openly. That time of the month for ourselves, um, they mm -hmm. found by going to other countries that this would really help women in different ways, in least development countries, but also here, you know. So listen, give us really happy, um, really happy to have them on. And, you know, so without further ado, we're going to bring them on right now. 
Michelle. Hi, Diana. How are you? (laughs) Good, good. uh, I'm here with Pablo, like super excited to participate in your talk. Um, As you were saying, yes, um, we work in the space of menstruation, and as much as goosebumps that this work can cause to people, it's something that is worth talking about because it's, uh, it's something extremely normal, something that happens to every woman, but yet it's well, holding Diana, back Diana, 50%. That, yeah. That's great. Well, before we get started, do we have Pablo there too? Hi, Gail. Happy to be on the show. Thank you for having okay. me. And, no uh, problem. And Pablo and Diana would like you to you to meet Mr. Jay Logan. Jay, this is Pablo and Diana from bgirl.org. Hello. Hey, Hi, Jay. Hey, nice to meet so, you guys. So just to let you know how we do with the show, Diana and Pablo, we don't want to give away all the goodies too quickly, you know, because you, <laughs> you have some really good things to share. So we will have a lot of fun on the show, but we have tailored specific questions to you so that people yep. can be inspired by what you're creating. And we ask that you answer accordingly to the question so that we don't give all the goodies away. Because, you know, it, it, we can we can sit here for hours and talk. Unfortunately, we don't have all that time today. So we want to get as much from you. Is that okay with both of you? Sure. Absolutely. We're looking forward to it. So, you know, you know, one of the things I have, we, you know, we would like to ask both of you, okay? When you both were young, children playing with your siblings, friends, and parents. Did you know that you would be where you are now? Did you ever think you would have been creators of B-Girl? You know, share that with us, Pablo and Diana. Well, I certainly didn't think I'd be co-founder of a company making uh, menstrual hygiene products. I can tell you that much. <laughs> but uh, that, that was definitely not in the plans for me, but I'm really happy that I am here because uh, I've always known all my life that I wanted to work in development, that I wanted to work in in a meaningful field and, and make a contribution to humanity with my work. And so I feel this is a particularly important space, uh, uh, underserved space, and I think it's uh, the time is ripe that we break out the conversation between men and women as well about how uh, menstruation is being ignored as a human right. Wow. So, um, and what about and what about you, Diana? Did you think as a little kid playing around with your brothers and sisters that you would have created, you know, Be Girl Now? Not not really. Um, I, you know, growing up, I grew up in a rural area of Colombia. And honestly, you know, even from a, from, from a rural town, you just don't understand that this could be such a huge issue for girls. And But the thing that I always knew is that I wanted to be uh, a designer and an inventor. And that's, you know, basically my background. But I never thought that I was going to switch uh, designing laptops for designing underwear. That definitely was not in my mind. Well, I have a question. My question is uh, to both of you guys, but um, either either one of you can answer it first. Um, with the experience and knowledge that you have now, what lessons would you tell your younger self uh, after going along this journey to create D-Girl? Well, I mean, I think the most important thing, and it's something that I will repeat to myself if I had the chance and also to anyone that is trying to work in this space or any other 
um, you know, particular area that is so daunting is that it doesn't really matter if people tell you that what you're doing is just a, a drop of water in an ocean of problems, that, you know, you will not make a difference, because that is not true. Um, big things and, uh, and big movements, they always start with one person. And it doesn't really matter how, you know, steep the problem is. The fact that you're doing something about it, you're moving the needle. So it's just like make sure that you're focused and don't let those comments or those um, daunting, you know, sometimes very difficult landscapes to tear you down. I think um, if you stick to your guns and you just make things, you know, you stick to your plan, you can go really far. That's, I think, one of the biggest lessons. And and I would just add to that in very much a, along the same lines. Uh, if I had a conversation with the younger Pablo, uh, I would definitely say it, it's really important to do your own thinking. Um, really, I think that, um, you know, there are millions of mounting pressures uh, of uh, conversations, ideas, statistics, and things thrown out there. And I think it's really important to follow uh, intuition, uh, to learn as much as possible as you can, and, do, and, and come to your own conclusions about things because sometimes, like Diana said, um, we are discouraged from trying to do things or changing the way things are and it's assumed that that's just the way things work in the world. And when uh, we started going down the path of creating a social enterprise, we realized that a couple of very well-motivated people can be very disruptive to something that seems like an immovable object. Wow. Wow. Pablo, that was a great answer. <laughs> I learned something from that one. <laughs> Glad I can share some experience. Yeah, you know, it it is, Pablo, you know, that's, (laughs) you could have said it better, you know, with this project, with your project, you know, as much as people are amazing and great, sometimes if it's not along the same lines in which you're moving, it can be disruptive. But also that's an opportunity for us to learn too. You know, I find anyone you meet, any relationship, any obstacle that comes in, I've always believed that if everything was always so good, we'd never have anything to learn from. So I think it makes us stronger and, you know, unique in all what we do. Which bring, you know, brings me to another question with you both. What, what countries did you visit to learn more about what was needed to support women with this product? So the the whole the whole uh, research part of creative part uh, basically initiated in Uganda. That was the very first uh, country that we that we basically got the opportunity to experience the lack of um, you know like the lack of opportunities due to lack of menstrual products. And basically, you know, we started a, a pilot there, and you know, it's a this is something that started out of like very sheer innovation, very basic bootstrap innovation. I don't know if I remember mentioning this, Gail, but the very first prototype we made was with an umbrella and a mosquito net. We literally hacked the uh, uh, disposable sanitary pad and made it with materials that we had available at hand. So I just think that this is really important to to mention because – you, you, in a way, the creative, the creative process is attached to where you are. So 
in the case, you know, when we when we find out that menstruation was such a burden for girls, we came up with the idea of creating this very simple sanitary pad that it was a pouch, a leak-proof pouch that could be stuffed with anything. Any type of absorbent material could go in. And that's important because that means that you're giving girls unprecedented uh, independence so they can choose the type of absorbent materials that go in. So once we started our first pilot in, in, in Uganda, we moved to Malawi, Rwanda, Tanzania, Ethiopia. We are right now in Somalia. We have worked in Morocco, Ghana, even the Solomon Islands. And we are really excited because we're going to start, we are start, already started piloting our products in the U.S. because this is a problem that is not just in developing countries. This is a problem that can easily spread to other countries, even though the ones that are better well off. And it's really important that we bring those issues here onto the table because it, this is something that um, it literally involves, like, all womankind. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, it, 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 I'm sorry, Pablo. I didn't mean to jump in here, but um, no, no, no. Diana, sorry, go ahead. This, um, this is so important. You know, Diana, we were talking about this at the event. You know, when I was sharing with you, I thought it would be great for the U.S. and especially like urban environments where people um, are really struggling right now. You know, women are struggling with self-esteem issues and things like that. You know, um, poverty issues. The, the U.S. is also almost becoming a least developed country in itself in some ways. And I think a product like this actually gives us self-esteem, gives us self-respect, you know, just based off what you said. It, it, it's not unique to one locale. It's across anywhere. You know, what are your thoughts on that? Well, if I can just jump in, you know, the, the ethos of our company is really designed for womankind. We think of uh, the, the experience of menstruation as a universal experience. And so when we created a product, we don't design for a woman in Latin America or Sub-Saharan Africa or Southeast Asia. We, we design for the women of the world. And that includes uh, if you're here in New York City, San Francisco, or, or Stockholm in Sweden. Uh, we find that the functionality that we created is uh, really applicable universally. And we thought about this for a couple of different reasons. One of them was in least developed countries, access to the products is a real barrier to many women. However, the barrier exists here to many women as well, like you mentioned, Gail, in, in urban centers where the affordability of menstrual hygiene products has become problematic. Just this week, we attended a, a roundtable in New York City uh, with a councilwoman that's actually trying to get uh, the school system to uh, carry menstrual products in the bathrooms. Julissa Ferreira is the councilwoman that is uh, trying to get this into the uh, city, but it, just as a pilot, hoping that this catches on nationally and, and begins to address something that uh, we don't talk about very much, but it's the fact that tampons, pads, and other menstrual hygiene products <laughs> are still on the, on the luxury product tax list. So we're trying to get uh, work on this issue from an advocacy standpoint, from a product standpoint, and even lower the barriers in the U.S., not only by supporting uh, uh, the transition to products like ours that are more 
sustainable and are using less resources, but even to other traditional products so that they become more affordable and the, and, and the tax revenue or the tax burden is lowered so that more women can access these. Um, so I think it's a global issue. And like I said, I think that uh, menstruation needs to make it onto the radar as a human rights issue. Wow, wow, Pablo. Um, so I'm wondering, is this your career dream, or did it catch you by surprise? And you both can, you know, answer that. Well, um, I always, I have been a, a big uh, support of education. I, I, I mean, I believe that education is the way out for many uh, poverty traps and situations in life that sometimes you just happen to be born in there. And for that reason, I mean, this is the reason why we're doing what we do. Because something as simple as lacking proper access to dignifying products is keeping all these girls out of school. And if, I mean, I, I wouldn't give up my career as a designer and, you know, doing all this probably fantastic products that I used to do before if it wasn't something super strong and meaningful behind it. So we're talking about period panties and sanitary pads, but it really is not about the product. It's about what the product does. And it's literally being a stepping stone for a girl to not fall through the poverty trap and be able to access the education that later on is going to take her to have income, have a voice, and ultimately get access to, you know, a more healthy life and better family. So if you tell me right now that, you know, this is, if this is something that I have pictured my life doing and, 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 and this is something that I, you know, plan, no, I didn't. But I, very deep, I have always been a proponent of education and girls' equality. So this was basically the right, the perfect fit is design for woman empowerment. So I am extremely happy and thrilled to be working in this space. Yeah, I can wow. say the same thing. Um, you know, uh, to really answer your question, uh, dreams are usually things that we like to think that we chase. Uh, but in my case, I have to say that I backed into a dream uh, because it was only after really pursuing this that I uh, became it became very clear to me that this was the perfect career choice for me at the very, at this moment. Um, and I and I think it, it it goes beyond just from a career standpoint. I think uh, you know I don't want to speak for Diana, but I think that when you begin to see yourself as an agent of change, as someone that can actually move the needle, even if it's by a millimeter. Uh, then it's a very rewarding line of work. Um, I would just add right, that the, that I find that the work in gender equality is particularly rewarding because I see it as a precursor for all other forms of equality, and then and that's really motivating for me, um, and and for all the people around that I love in my life. Uh, I like to think that I am trying to make a better world for my sister, my mother, my colleagues here at B-Girl, and potentially even a daughter I may have one day. Wow. 
Um, this is uh, this is amazing. Uh, that's this is truly amazing. Is all I can say. Um, you know, one of the things I would love to know is what is one failure you both experienced that you turn into a success, but what you both define as success, not what society defines as success. I will I will say that um, once like you know once once the design was made and this was literally like the very the very first pilot. Um, my first initial thought was just to knock out the like the, the door of several NGOs and show them the technology and say, hey, listen, here is a really great design that works for girls. Why don't you take it and make it happen? And I'm not telling you lies. I got probably like seven different organizations turning me down, saying that menstruation was a space that they were not working on. Even though they were focusing on girls, menstruation was like such a you know, black hole that they just didn't want to touch. So the reason why we started B-Girl and uh, I personally took this, you know, too hard as a woman and as a designer was because everybody was turning me down with this idea just saying that they don't want to work in the menstrual management space. I thought that that was just incredible that being that such a fundamental right and being that such a critical point for keeping girls uh, safe and healthy at school was just not something in the radar. So, yes, it was a big kind of like a failure per se, the fact that you were being turned down so badly. But at the same time, you know, it was uh, kind of like the, the flip side was that I got really passionate about it, a little bit, you know, stubborn. I say, you know what, if you don't want to do it, then I'll do it. And here we are. And from my end, I would say... Uh, an untraditional failure is perhaps uh, prior to starting Bigger with Diana. I, I had been working for several months on a startup um, in the tech space to work with uh, shareholder activism, and and that really didn't take off. And and it, in by all standard measures of success, it was a complete failure. But in the process, I learned so much that when we were able to get bigger started, all of those lessons that had been learned in that failure became applicable immediately. And we were uh, up and running uh, quicker than we expected because some of those uh, kind of uh, operational things that you can only learn by doing, I had already uh, done and failed at it uh, between quotes, you know. Wow. Okay. Um, you guys are giving us thought-provoking, uh, really some things to think about. Um, what I'd like to know is, you know, well, I, I, I'm almost speechless. Jay, I think you're you're next. Am I right? They they caught me so off guard. I forgot who was next. Okay. <clears throat> well, yeah. Well. Um, I don't mind. This is very, very great, great, great talking to them. I just want to know what is next for you in this enterprise and what you're doing now. Well, um, as part of our brand strategy, we want to launch our product in the U.S. And the reason why is because we think that a product or a technology that is sparked out of a scarcity in Africa, it could be well be a solution for the world, a solution that you know helps to create a more 
you know, level play field for girls, but also that it's a, an environmental, like a more environmentally friendly approach to managing your menstruation. So we are launching our U.S. line, and also we're launching our online platform where people can not only, you know, they can learn about the work that we do, they can be engaged in several levels, they can purchase the products, they can access, you know, the information that we have from the pilots that we work. It's, it's just like a, a platform to create a more open conversation and be able to uh, kind of like blur the barriers between a girl in Latino America or a girl in Africa or here in the U.S. We just want to make sure that people understand that we are talking about womankind. We're not talking about anyone in a particular place. This is something that we can all work as a community towards creating solutions, and that's what this brand is all about, about creating those positive conversations about menstruation. And we want to make sure that we invite absolutely everyone to be a change maker. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And, and what about you, Pablo? Is there anything else you want to share beyond, you know, what um, Diana has shared as well? Well, you know, we are uh, pushing very hard not only to make the product available to anybody through our uh, e-commerce uh, platform that's going to be launching very soon, but we are uh, exploring very interesting partnerships with organizations based in the U.S., to make the products available around the world. So it's, it's really an integrated strategy in that we are looking at the women of the world, uh, you know, as, as, the, as a community, as a sisterhood, and, and, you know, we want to make it, this work by helping women in the U.S. feel more connected to women around the world. Um, and that's why I think it's going to be a particularly interesting uh, development once e-commerce gets started because what we did with our product is that there's a buy one, give one component in the U.S. So every time you buy one, you give one. But it's not a, a just giving away blindly. When you buy a product from B-Girl, a product is deposited to our partnership program that we developed called the Empower Bank. And I'm really excited about what's next for Empower Bank because Empower Bank is becoming a central repository for a lot of research work that's being done in the MHM world around uh, everywhere and in the U.S. And so it's before, a lot of organizations were doing things independently, and what we're trying to do is create an, a platform for knowledge sharing so that the best practices can get to the field as quickly as possible and we can leapfrog the learning curve and try to implement and solve this issue as soon as possible so that we can tap into the most underutilized resource in the world, which is the girls and women that are sitting on the sidelines of participating in this world. Wow. I know Jay has one last question for you. Um, <clears throat> yes, I do. Um, so finally, what do you think is missing um, in supporting women overall? 
I will say the biggest gap is understanding what um what means to be a woman. Um, it's really easy to talk about investment and all those things from a very like you know high up perspective, but when we talk about investment in women, it's uh, it's really to understand you know what are the dynamics in the life of a woman, a particular in a woman who lives in a developing country. I mean the fact that yes we know that. Um, a lot of the work they do is not recognized. The fact that we know that they are the one who fetch the water, who fetch the wood, the fact that we know that, you know, even if we give them credits, uh, they are more, like, adverse to take them. So it's really, it's really important to have a very deep understanding what, a mo- what, what it really means to be a woman. And when you really get the chance to understand, you will feel the empathy and you will create better programs, better products, better platforms to really make sure that you address those needs. So I think the fact that, in, in, at least in the space that we work, that is menstruation, that it was such a like taboo topic that right now is literally getting out of the closet, it's a really, it's advancing. It's uh, making sure that this type of conversations don't just get sweeped under the rug. And I hope like this, like many other conversations, very uncomfortable ones like early marriage, genital mutilation, and all these really daunting realities that women and girls have to face worldwide also get out of the shadows because this is the only way that we're going to be able to advance the field if we talk about it, if we understand, and we really internalize what is the reality of being a woman, not only here in the U.S., but worldwide. Wow. Yeah, I would add, you know, uh, another really component, uh, important component in achieving equality is the fact that we need to uh, really uh, be able to uh, understand that there is a huge component uh, in undercompensated labor and that most of the work that women are doing around the world goes uncompensated. But if we were to value that at the same rate that uh, the, the work of men is being valued, the contribution that women are making to the global economy is enormous. And, uh, Gail, you know, we talked about that a little bit in the, in the conference where we, were, where we met. And I think it's really, really important to understand that uh, the inequality that exists uh, among men and women, uh, partially at least, uh, is really uh, based also on the fact that a lot of the work that women are already doing today is not only uncompensated but kept informal and therefore not valued in the same way. Absolutely. 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 Well, you know, I all I can say is thank you so much. Um, I believe we have a question for you guys um, from a caller, so we'll find out who this caller is. Um, a caller, would you just say your first name and what state you're from? Your number starts with an 856. Uh, hi, my name is Karen, and I'm from New Jersey. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay um, I love listening to you guys, and I just want to let you know I'm very excited to hear about your plans to have a launch of a U.S. line. Um, I personally learned about B-Girl from your Kickstarter campaign, and I absolutely love my B-Girls. Um, my question for you is in trying to recommend the product for others here in the U.S., even before it's very accessible. Um, I'm in the medical field, and I really do try and promote this kind of product. Could you explain to me 
how your product is different from others like it on the market to help me to promote it. Yes. Um, wow. From the, uh, Thank you so much for your question. Go right ahead. Thanks, Thank you for your love. So, oh, you're welcome. Just... I really do love them. <laughs> the whole, the whole, the whole concept. So we, I mean, what we have in common with other uh, brands in this space is that we are working in creating alternative menstrual management solutions. But we are very different on the technology side because basically our period panties are the only ones that really are a hybrid. So it's a patented technology that allows you to literally use any type of absorbent material of your choice. So we are about choices, choices in every single, in every single way that you can see it. From the design of the product, the, just, just the fundamental principle that you can use anything that is available to you it's different. You know, we don't, we don't ask you to, you know, basically we, what we are asking you is to, you know, take a look at what is your resources. You can use, um, you know, pieces of cloth. You can use um, a, a toilet paper. You can use cotton, anything that is available to you. And, is, and this is important because this, this matters not only for a girl in Africa, but also matters for a woman here in the U.S. So you can choose, you know, more uh, not only environmentally friendly materials, but also like chemical-free materials to be in touch with your body. So from that perspective, other products, basically it's just um, kind of like a layered construction of absorbent materials. With our product, you can choose what is your absorbent material. Well, that we, and I would just, thank you. Go ahead. I'm sorry, Pablo. Well, go ahead. No, I would just say that not only is it important that you can use the material of choice, but also that you can replace them as many times as necessary. And in that sense, you know, B-Girl panties will ship with a washable liner, but we will also make available other liners that you might be able to use uh, if you want to use something that we provide. Uh, but we encourage our uh, users to show us how this product can be customized because we think of it as an open-source solution. Well, that's yes, great. Yeah, well, no, know. I think that's a that's a great answer. Very helpful, and I love like the chemical free options, so you can eliminate a lot of the negative side effects that are from the prepackaged things on the market. So that's great. Thank you so much. And no, thank you for calling pleasure. in. Thank you for calling in, listener, and we hope you have a wonderful day. Okay, you too. And um, we've run out of time. I'm so sorry. But what I'd love to ask Diana and Pablo, could we have you back in the coming weeks? Because we have so many other questions for you. Of course. Always, Gail. We're we're here. Just let us know, and, and we'll be part of this. Thank you so much for hosting us. Jay, thank you so much. Wonderful. You guys are wonderful. Yeah, thank you. And thank we, you. It was a it was a joy to have you. And this product, you know, um, especially when those days that women we catch ourselves off guard, <laughs> this will be very helpful. So thank you both, Pablo. Thank you, Diana Sierra and Pablo Fraund of BGirl.org. Find them at BGirl.org, uh, BGirl.org on Twitter, BGirl.org on Instagram, BGirl.org on Facebook. Thank you, guys, and we look forward. Thank you so much and have a awesome. wonderful day. You Thank too. You Take too. good care. Now, I'm really excited. That, if that wasn't exciting enough, I'm really excited for this next guy, Jay. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Discovered him <laughs> this this week, okay? Wow. Someone had him on Facebook. He's with Huffington Post as a vlogger. 
blown away, just absolutely blown away, just like I'm blown away by B-Girl and what they're creating for women. This man is creating for mankind and womankind. I'm just blown away. So without further ado, because we have him for a short time, we're going to bring on Mr. Jay Shetty from the U.K. Hey, Jay, how are you? Hi there. Thank you so much for having me. Extremely grateful and honored to be here. Thank you. Yes, and we're just, you know, would you meet Jay uh, Logan, who's out in San Francisco, co-host with us and gives her voice. Hello, how are you doing, Hi, Jay? <laughs> nice to meet well, you. I'm very well. How are you? I'm great. Nice to meet Jay. Good, good first name you got there. Wonderful name. <laughs> well, <laughs> Thank you very much. Well, you know, I'm, I may have to go J1 and J2. So, you know, I'm, I'm <laughs> so Jay, uh, I'll say Jay Shetty. So, Jay, Shetty, you know, we love, we know you're going to have so much to share in this short time with us <laughs> that we're asking you to just, like, tailor your answers to the questions so that we don't give away all the good stuff. Is that okay with you? Sure, absolutely fine. Okay. So can we get right into it with you, Jay? Because I'm just so excited to really have the opportunity for our audience to connect with you and be inspired by you and your journey. Um, you know, yes, please. Yeah, I'll try my best. Oh, I'm sure you're going to do well. You know, as a child, Jay, I want to know something. Did you foresee you'd be combining your experiences from your time in business school, living as a monk in India? Oh, that that's the cool part. I mean, all the other stuff is cool, but I, I'm, I love just India and the whole thing. And working as a digital strategist at a global firm to share practical, accessible, relevant techniques with the world at large. And, you know, and then my second question would be, how and how did you get to the point of bringing this to the Huffington Post? But the first question is really so important for our young people to hear. Did you foresee you be combining all these areas to make the big difference you are right now? Sure. So, no, not, not an easy question to start on. But, uh, yeah, if someone asked me if I could have imagined where I'd be now, even, you know, even five years ago, 10 years ago, I probably would have laughed at them. Uh, I was, you know, I still am. I was just an average person in London growing up uh, with normal desires, uh, normal achievement, ambitions, things chasing the normal things that everyone else is chasing. And uh, I was really fortunate that when I was 18 years old, I met some monks from India and these people had turned down jobs at Google and they turned down jobs at Yahoo and they had this amazing education, but they'd given it all up to actually invest in making a difference in the world. So they were taking part in philanthropic ventures in India and Africa and traveling the world and helping people. And I thought as an 18-year-old, I thought, wow, you know, I can, I can go off and work in the corporate world or I could go off and try and do something for the world. So when I finished business school, I, I traveled to India, decided to become a monk for three years, uh, absolutely loved it, got involved in several several philanthropic projects there, uh, feeding the children of India, also taking part in building sustainable villages. And, and yes, and when I came back from that experience, I really felt that I wanted to share what I'd learned and what I'd been gifted with and had the fortune of learning from these people. I wanted to share it with everyone that I'd, I'd uh, met originally, that I'd actually spent time with. So I came back to England and started connecting with it all. In, in answer to your second question of how did it all happened from there, I decided to set up my own uh, coaching work where I was sharing with companies, sharing with young people how we can actually use these ancient wisdom techniques for modern times. So actually all of these things that are there in the Eastern literatures are totally practical, totally universal, 
uh, and they're great tools and techniques that anyone can apply in their lives. So I was recommending that. And then I started to do a video blog at the start of January, which was my New Year's resolution and commitment to myself. And in, in a little over two months, uh, someone had shared it with the Huffington Post and they reached out and uh, wanted to share the material as well. And uh, in the first three videos, I've had over 25 million views in the last three weeks. Uh, so it was all by design, chance, luck, fortune, whatever you want to call it, but uh, it definitely wasn't strategic. <laughs> so my strategist side didn't help in that. Wow. Well, well, you surely are making a difference. That's all I'm going to say. I mean, it just blew my mind. Um, I know Jay has a question for you as well. Yes, I do. I want to know, um, Jay, was this your career of a lifetime or did it catch you by surprise? It's a good question. I, it caught me by surprise. It caught me by surprise. So I always hold down any success I'm seeing at all now, which is just the beginning. I've just started. Uh, it's actually down to the great people I've met in my life. I've, I've met the right people at the right time, which I didn't plan, which I, you know, I didn't foresee. So no, uh, I would say it's caught me by surprise. It's something that I became conscious of about, I would say, three years ago, three to five years ago, the first time I became conscious that this is the direction I wanted to move in. Uh, so yeah, it's it's been a bit of both. It's been a bit of both. Well, you know, with the experience and knowledge you have now, what lessons would you go back and tell your younger self, uh, Jay Shetty? <laughs> yeah, really good question. Uh, I I give this so it's interesting because I'm an advisor to a lot of apprentices, a lot of young people coming into the workplace, and one piece of advice I always give them is just play to your strength. So always play to your strengths. Never waste time trying to get good at stuff that you don't like or that you don't feel that you're good at. Really focus in on the things you're amazing at because if you focus on what you're better at, you'll become, you know, you'll be known for it. You'll get noticed for it. So definitely do that. The second thing I'd say to my younger self is that do as much work experience as possible. Try, you know, if it's free, if it's weekends, if it's evenings, whatever it takes, try and do as many jobs, as many roles, as many different types of things while you're young as possible because you'll learn so many skills and you'll learn so much about yourself. So you only learn about yourself by doing. You don't learn about yourself just by sitting there. So go and do as many things as you can. And the third thing I'd always say is uh, follow your heart and know when to say no. So people are always talking about saying yes. Uh, my advice is when something doesn't feel right, when you feel it's not exactly where your heart is, feel confident enough to say no. Today, we're so used to being trained to say yes to authority, yes to our bosses, yes to work, and that can lead to a, a lot of challenges. So I would definitely recommend uh, knowing when to say no when things don't sit with your heart and your intuition. Jay, you know, I have a... I will, uh, um, <laughs> okay, so... Um, You're a little bad. Yeah. <laughs> so for Jay Shetty, um, I have a Jay um, Jay Logan. I just want to <laughs> say something to Jay Shetty for a second. Jay, you know, usually we we have our, our questions set up, but you said something very powerful here. Why I want I want to have a differentiation here because um, you know we're Jay and I are sort of like life coaches as well. Okay, when you say that about play to your intuition. See, this is where I think it can be funny because sometimes when we go out of our comfort zone, we'll tell ourselves this is not a good situation where it could be a good situation. Okay? How yes. do you know and and that that can, you know, when they you know, when you go out of your comfort zone, if you're not used to going out of your comfort zone as an everyday human being in society, 
your mind will say, no, don't do that. It's not a good thing. And then you'll tell yourself you have a bad feeling about that. How do you know the difference? Because, you see, we may be saying no at times to things that really we should be saying yes to. Sure. So I think that you can go out of your comfort zone in your natural skill set and still be challenged. I think the challenge is we end up trying to go out of your comfort zone in a totally different skill set that just doesn't apply to us. And for me, that's I'll give an example or an anecdote. So, for example, I, I'm good with numbers, but I don't like them. And so I've, you know, I've been good at numbers. I've always scored great on numbers, tests, and analytics and all that kind of world. But I've stayed away from it in my career. I've stayed away from it in the long term because it's not an area that I, I want to progress in. It's not an area that I believe is something that I can offer to the world or make a difference through because there'll always be someone who's better than me at it. But, you know, content, working on design, working on content, thinking, uh, assimilating lots of information, bringing it together, telling stories, those have been things that I've been great at since I was young. So I'm trying to focus in on how I can make a change. And that way you it's much easier to stand out. It's much more easier to actually make an impact on people's lives that way. So I, I hmm. just feel, and, and yes, there's a, there's a challenge of my comfort zone there. So when I first made my video, all I'd ever done is public talks. And I'd done public talks to thousands of people. I felt really comfortable. And when I made my first video, I was feeling really nervous because I was thinking, oh my God, I can't react from the audience. I have nothing to engage with. I'm just talking to a camera. Uh, so you can put yourself out of your comfort zone but within a skill set that you naturally possess. Does that make mm. sense? Uh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, I just was talking also about everyday life things, so we could be on this call forever, and we we, we just have to ask you <laughs> to come back. You know, but um, I know Jay has another question for you. Yes, Jay. What is one of the most memorable things that you have experienced in the work that you're doing? Sorry, can you repeat that? I missed it. Sorry. Um, I, w I would like to know, like, what, what, are one, what is one of the most memorable things that you have experienced in the work that you're doing? I think I'd say the most memorable thing I've experienced is that one of the people that was following me online, I've never met them. Uh, I've been in touch with them, you know, virtually through digital, etc. He actually had a very rare disease um a rare form of uh, muscle disease and this man this young man was the most positive person i've ever met in my life without meeting he he was he was diagnosed extremely young i think he was diagnosed when he was 14 years old but every time i'd be posting any sort of motivational message or reflection he would be the one taking it positively and he was always trying to use his situation as a way of empowering others and encouraging others to make a difference and just meeting him virtually and I'd, I'd love to I'm still in touch with him so I'd love to meet him physically one day I just that's a really memorable thing for me because I found someone who actually is on a physical on an external level is extremely challenged but internally has this beautiful resilience this beautiful resolve and is using his uh, apparent challenge as one of the greatest gifts uh, to become an inspirer of other people. And, and that's memorable. It's beautiful. And I can only want and empower and want to help other people like that share a message so that those of us who are in more supposedly better conditions can actually feel more grateful for what we have. So meeting people like that, meeting people with stories that make me feel extremely grateful and privileged and happy and also just feel inspired by them 
that's probably the most memorable thing, meeting people that inspire me. Uh, he's one of those examples. Wow, nice. Wow. You know, um, one of the things, you know, I always think about this is that um, I, I look, I wanna, I'm just going to ask the question, what is one failure you've experienced that you turned into a success but what you define what you define as success, Jay. Uh Jay Shetty, sorry. Yeah, so I I've had many, many, many failures. <laughs> uh I'm trying to pick one now. I would say uh my top top failure in that sense would probably be when I yeah, so I when I became a monk I thought I'd be a full time monk for a very, very, very long period of time. I, I was hoping that I'd be able to do it for the rest of my life, actually. Uh, and when I left, it was almost like getting divorced from the love of your life. That's how I explain it. I felt like I was breaking up with a girl I'd fallen in love with, even though I was a monk. It, it felt like leaving the ashram, leaving the community uh, to live there every day. It, it felt like a breakup. So that felt like a failure to me because I thought I had a great, you know, I thought it was going to happen and work. And what really changed is that I spoke to my spiritual teacher and when I was leaving, I spoke to him and I said to him, this is how I feel. And he, he gave me a beautiful analogy and he said to me, he said, some people go to university and become professors. He says, other people go to university and then they become entrepreneurs. He goes, which one's better? And I said, neither. And he said, well, that's exactly the point. He says, some people come to become monks and they stay monks forever and become professors. And he goes, other people become monks and go and share it with the world. And he said, that's where you've got to go. Uh, and it was really that conversation that rewired how I felt about my situation. And I realized that if I saw what I had now as an opportunity to make an impact rather than a failure, then I would actually be able to have an impact. And that was that conversation happened three years ago. Uh, and now when I look back, I look back and I think, wow, there was a reason why I left. There was a purpose why I left, you know, and it hasn't always felt that, felt that way. And my favorite quote from Steve Jobs in that regard is he says that, you can only connect the dots backwards. You can't connect the dots moving forwards. You know, you can only connect the dots looking backwards. So, uh, yeah, that, so that was a failure in my life that I feel I was able to turn into a success because at that time it felt I wasn't going to be able to achieve my goal of having some sort of impact or growing in my spiritual journey. But uh, I've definitely realized that every challenge comes for its specific reason. And if we can learn the reason at the time, then it becomes a lot more easier to digest. Wow. Wow. Okay. Jay Shetty, wow. I want okay. I want I want to ask and you know we have this technical thing and me and Gil always we all always into technical things. What do you use to create your videos? So if others want to inspire as you do, they want to do what you do. What could you tell people about the the tools and things you use to create your videos? Yeah. Sure. No. Really good question. So I'd I'd like to encourage people to understand that. Uh, in terms of yeah equipment etc so i have i have an amazing friend uh who who has his company called filmwork studios and he is my camera person so he owns some awesome slr cameras i don't even know the spec they're that good uh but <laughs> you know it's a nice camera uh and the key is for editing for me is adobe premiere pro uh iMovie is good enough as well so most macbooks uh and any apple software comes with sorry any apple computers come with iMovie. Uh, so I started out using iMovie, but I use Adobe Premiere Pro now because I can do a lot more with the sound and I can do a lot more with the pictures. 
Uh, I spend about eight hours a week editing my own footage, so I do all the editing myself. Wow! Uh, and each video, <laughs> each video takes eight hours each. So, uh, but I enjoy it. It's part of the art. It's part of the content. It's part of uh, what I feel is the authenticity of the video for me to sit there and painstakingly look at which clip to show for which part. But I enjoy it. I love that bit of it. So I don't look. Uh, yeah, I'm trying not to outsource that at all as things grow. Uh, so I would recommend always, you know, edit your own videos, sit in front of a camera, find it, find a great place. So I, I try and pick beautiful spots in London. I love London. I live in London. Uh, try and pick a nice space with nice light. Uh, and, and it's all natural lighting. So I don't, a few people ask me if I had a hairdryer blowing my hair in a few of the videos. It's not true. There's just a natural wind. <laughs> it's just natural wind. Uh, there's natural light. My friend said to me that if we paid for that light, it would have cost us 5,000 pounds, but we just found a lucky sunny day in London. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, just plan it around the weather. Uh, if you, yeah, if you want to keep your costs low, uh, look at weather forecasts. Uh, go out with a decent camera and find a nice space. You know, it's, it's so funny that you. It's it, it, amazing. You know, um, J and J. A lot of people don't know that you can also, if you don't have a friend that has a, you know, um, a film studio or something like that, like the three of us here have, you can also rent cameras too when you need to. A lot of people don't know that. Um, so that's just one other thing. And if you want to go online to get Adobe Premiere, if you don't want to buy the whole package outright, you can do their pl- cloud-based program, which is like 9.99 to 29.99 a month for Adobe Premiere. So just want to let the audience know that, folks. Um, my question is, based on your amazing videos on Huffington Post and what you've just been doing on your own, um, I'd like you to share your video on happiness, or what we define as happiness and overnight success, blew me away. Okay. It's things that I know, things that Jay knows, things that, but it was the way you put it. And here's a question I have. For our audience live, give us your thoughts on happiness and that, and what, that overnight success, success doesn't exist. Sure. So in regards to happiness, thank you so much for the love for the videos. I, that, I feel extremely humbled and touched by your words. Genuinely, it's, it's, it's wonderful for it to be received that well. Uh, but in terms of, yeah, in terms of redefining happiness or redefining success, I, I was speaking at an event recently in London and I asked the question, I said, how many of you want to be successful? How many of you want to be happy? Everyone put their hand up. There were about 150 people in the audience. And I said, how many of you have a clear definition of what happiness or success means to you? And no one put their hand up. And <laughs> what I realized there, the, the, the point I was trying to make is that we haven't really thought about what makes us happy. We haven't really thought about what success means. And we all know that when we don't define things, life defines things for us. Our environment will define things for us. If we don't define what we want to have for dinner, we'll, you know, whatever's around us will define what we have for dinner. So something as small as eating all the way through to your life's purpose. And what I mean is that the definition can evolve. The definition can change. The definition can grow the scale can grow, anything can grow, everything can change, that's okay, but having values, having uh, an ethos, having principles that define or guide or act as a compass to where you want to be are just things that we can't let go of, they're, they're things that we can't just hope that will work out, so I really feel that for me, I can't define what success means for anyone else, and, and the video wasn't trying to do that, the video was trying to urge people to come up with their own definition of success, to really think about what is their definition of happiness rather than let it be decided by their environment or rather than let it be decided by 
friends or family. So I've seen that happen to lots of people that I worked with who had their definition of success and happiness defined by other things. And later on in life, they look back and feel it didn't work out. And in terms of your second question about, uh, you know, there's no such thing as an overnight success. I, I talk about the invisible world. My series on YouTube is called Invisible World. It's called that because I'm interested. So in a presentation I was doing again recently in London, I showed a picture of Brad Pitt. I showed a picture of a few celebrities. And I asked people, what do you see? And people said they see a good-looking man. They said they see a rich person. They said they see some of the movies that he's acted in. And I asked, how many of you see the fact that he used to wear a chicken suit outside a restaurant to promote it when he was broke as an actor before he made mm-hmm. it? How many of you can see that you know he was rejected from a number of roles before he made it? How many of you are looking wow. you know, down there beyond the, you know, the bottom of the iceberg? How many of you are looking at the invisible world And the challenge is the invisible world is what defines what we see physically. But we spend so much time in the visible and the physical world that we don't ever enter into what it actually takes to be successful. So if we look at successful people and we think they're successful because they're rich and they've got money, we're only looking at the output. We're only looking at the visible. And and that completely restricts us from all the learning because then we're not looking at how they failed. We're not looking at how they responded. I was uh, a great example uh, is Brian Acton. So I was telling this story that uh, this gentleman was rejected. He worked at Yahoo for 12 years. He was rejected by Facebook, rejected by Twitter. And he sent a tweet out when he was rejected. This was a few years back. He sent a tweet out saying, I just got rejected by Facebook, but I met some wonderful people. Here's to the next adventure. When he got rejected by Twitter, he said, oh, it's a shame that I didn't get it. But anyway, it was a long commute. <laughs> and, then, and then he went off with one of his Yahoo friends, and they decided to build an app. And they built this app, and a few, just a couple of years ago, they sold this app to Facebook for $19 billion. The app is WhatsApp, and Brian Acton is the co-founder of WhatsApp. And the joke around Silicon Valley was that Mark Zuckerberg could have had this man for about $100 a year. He ended up paying $19 billion for him. So, you know, it's the way he responded. But if we don't look at that, we just think, oh, wow, that's lucky. They built an app, and they got rich off of it. But if you just look at the surface, you miss out on all the learnings, all the, all the ways that person responded. You know, um, Jay, <laughs> wow. I'm sorry, Jay. Yeah, I'm going, you know, one of, one of the things that has come up, you know, Jay and I both, we have, you know, we're, we're on a project now that's taken, you know, people think when it's been released, it's just been released. We were working on projects for different, you know, for amount of years, and we're starting to see the success of it. But when you first start it, you're not looking at the success because you're so knee-deep in it, you know. And I will say that I think it's been a blessing that we've been able to work in the invisible rather than just the visible because you've got to be able to see the vision that others can't see in order to finish it and stay with it and stay committed to it. And, yeah, um, I you know, I, so I, I just want to sh- thank you for sharing that because sometimes, you know, even Jay and I, we, you know, when you're a teacher, sometimes you still need to hear the same words that you also teach to others. You know what I mean? Um, so I just wanted to share that a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, Gail, I, just, I, yeah, I wanted to say we we needed to hear that from you. So, I, I mean, that's, that's what Gail was saying. We, you know, we needed to hear that from you. Cause I was looking at one of, one of your um, tales you were, you were saying about Picasso. I mean, we were watching one of your videos, and it was just amazing how you said this lady asked Picasso to draw this picture. So he drew it in 30 seconds, and the lady, he told uh, Gail, uh, Picasso, said, that would be $30,000. 
And the lady said to Picasso, hey, you can do that in 30 seconds. So why, why do I have to pay $30,000? And Picasso answered and said, well, I've been working on this for 30 years. That which you said, Jay, that's what me and Gail need to hear because we have been working in the invisible. So I'm, I'm just glad we had you on the show. It's just wonderful. And the question that I had was, what is next for you in your work? <laughs> no, I think that's what's next for me is a mystery to myself. <laughs> every every step of this journey has been because, it, like I said, I, I truly believe there's some divine intervention in, in the way things work. Uh, I'm simply going along with a plan, trying to be an instrument of authenticity and compassion, trying my best to stay stay that way. Uh, my main focus right now is trying to give people more content. So a lot of people are saying we want more videos, etc. So I'm I'm trying to connect with the audience online as much as possible. So my followers on YouTube, my followers on Facebook, followers on Instagram. I just want to build up a real relationship with all of them, and I'm doing doing that to the best of my ability. Uh, it's been fantastic working with the Huffington Post. They're absolutely brilliant. Their their cause and their ethos is uh, amazing. All thanks to Ariana Huffington. If you haven't read her book Thrive, I recommend it more than anything because it's it. You know, it was funny because I actually only picked up her book after I'd made my videos. And when I was reading her book, I was just like, wow, this is sounds like what I've been saying in my videos. So it's it's a great book. I definitely recommend reading it. And uh, yeah, so my my main aim right now is to just continue sharing good content, courses, uh, tips, and uh, methodologies by which people can do three things. The first thing I'd like to help people do is find their purpose uh, and, and help them live it. The second thing I'd like to help them do is navigate the digital space and the digital world and understand how to use digital effectively. And the third thing I'd like to do is just help people uh, continue to be agents of change or change makers in their own areas, in their own communities, in their own families. So anything that I can do to do those three things uh, would be extremely fulfilling for me. Wow. Well, you know, that brings us into the next and last question because I know you have to go, Jay. Um, and, you know, we would love to be your partners in, in you know, making sure that content gets out there and not, you know, some people say partners just so, oh, they can have numbers. No, we really, this is how we live our life every day, okay? And our projects that we have that are out worldwide reflect such. And so you are a reflection. You know, sometimes when you come together with people, we're all reflections, um, all reflections of this. Um, you know, um, <laughs> I, 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 it, it's, it's blowing. Jay, I have to say this to you, and, and I'm going to say it on air. Um, I usually don't say where I go or what I do, but I've you know, done a lot of transformation work with Landmark Education and um, other transformational places around the world, from London to here and whatever. I was based in London with a business in London and New York for seven years. And it's been a long time that I've heard someone like yourself, which is why we were excited to have you on the show, someone like yourself bring everything together. You know, at Landmark we had a former monk who was from India, and he's, he has a tumor in his head now, and I miss him so much. And being able to sit here and listen to you reminds me of being with him. So I, uh, I really thank you for making the difference you did on our show today. And our last question is, what are your thoughts on family, peace, society in general? Whatever comes up for you to share with our audience, we'd love to hear it in your last, uh, in your last box with us today. 
No, thank you so much again. Uh, you've been far too kind, both of you. And, uh, I, you know, I really look to you for your wishes, positive vibes and blessings for how things are moving forward for me and what we're all trying to do together. I think in, in regards to your last question, I would just say that, you know, I, that video I made about being the world, uh, being, a, you know, changing the world starts with us. It's it's because any any pollution, anything we see outside, any negativity, any any challenge we see externally is simply because of a challenge within. And if we all start with ourselves, and like you said earlier, if we can be students and teachers at the same time, uh, not letting go of either one of those, then actually we can create an amazing change in the world and have a ripple effect. And I really believe, and one of the reasons why I agreed to do this as well, to be here today is I just feel a lot of the change makers need to work together. So what we don't need is islands of change. What we don't need is individual leaders and gurus and individual followings. We need all influencers to be working together to make that change. So if you're an influencer, you're a change maker, get together with other people who are active in the same space and work together and, and constantly look at your own intentions. I think the biggest challenge any sort of philanthropy work charity work ever gets criticized for is that the people doing it aren't really authentic themselves we've seen that criticism thrown at you know people who have a good cause so your cause is only good as good as you so it's really important that we we personally purify ourselves on a daily basis whatever that means for you our intention our ego our you know, so yeah, our, you know, your cause is only as good as you. So it's really important that you work on yourself daily. Wow. Um, I'm I'm sorry. You almost brought me um, you almost brought me to tears, uh, Jay. You really, mm-hmm. really did. Um, I'm I'm usually so you know straightforward and all that, and um, you really brought me to the tears because, you know, um, I I rarely let this out publicly. But we have been on such a long journey, and while people see accolades on the outside, or some have heard of us, some haven't, or, you know, we deal with this uh, well-known person or not so well-known people are people to me. And, you know, my brother said to me one day, he said, you know, Gail, we grew up at a time where people really cared. With technology now, it's made us sometimes, as well as connected, disconnected. And... You know, sometimes you feel like as a very authentic person, you do have to do what you need to do to detoxify from the the people you meet who are not bad people. They just may not be in the same space that you're in. And you have to realize to remember that and pass it on and stay committed to it and be around people who not only hold you accountable to stay committed to that path, but also remind you of who you are because sometimes we can forget with just the everyday work. So, Jay, really, from the from the bottom of my heart, personally, and I know Jay's, we truly, truly thank you for being with us today. It has just been a true blessing. Yeah, the, the, it's, it's, I'm, I'm very grateful and honored. You, you know, your questions have helped me reflect on a lot of things myself. So, I, you know, I've I've benefited more than anyone. So, thank you so much for the opportunity. Extremely grateful and humbled as well by all your kind words. Yes, well, we hope that you'll come back and visit us in the future. Yes, definitely, and, uh, of course. And when I'm, in, when I'm traveling to the States, it'll be great to meet. Yes, and I'll be, I'll be in London also in a couple of months, so it'll be great to uh, be. I used to be located over in the borough of Ealing with, on Greenford. Yes, I know well. 
Yes. I just, the foxes, well, you know, I don't think Jay and I can get into the foxes. I'm sorry. We have small rodents <laughs> that are loose around New York City, but foxes, I've been chased up trees by the foxes, okay, in Regent's Park, dogging. So I, <laughs> I think I can wait on that part. So, well, thank you for your, for, your, for your time, Jay, and I hope you have a wonderful day. Yeah, thank you so much yes. to both of you. Thank you, Jay. Great, great to speak to you both. And thank you to everyone. See you soon. Bye-bye, everyone. Thank you. Bye.